Welcome to the StoryCraft Cafe. Come in, grab a cup of your favorite beverage, and get ready to join the storytelling conversation. StoryCraft Cafe is brought to you by Dabble, the ultimate cloud-based fiction writing software. Here we're going to bring together storytellers from all walks to encourage and empower you to craft your best story. Welcome to the StoryCraft Cafe podcast. As we continue our indie summer coverage, we shift gears a little bit to talk to Alex Newton from Klytics. While writing is most definitely an art, publishing is a business. Did you know that there are ways for you to find out exactly who your competition is and how saturated a particular genre or subgenre is? Alex Newton has done just that and today he shares some of his wisdom with us. Whether you're an indie author or have your sights set on a traditional publishing career, Alex has information that can help us all. Tune in with me now as we talk with Alex Newton from Klytics. And welcome to the StoryCraft Cafe. I'm your host, Hank Garner. And today with me is Alex Newton. Um, Alex is one of those people that I have discovered in my own writing journey um, that has is offering a service that is uh, mind-blowing, uh, if, you, if you will. Um, yeah, Alex, I discovered right to market several years ago when uh when chris fox was talking about it and and he had a video where you know he he showed you how to do research in your genre by you know digging into uh amazon and and the many many layers of you know harvesting information and about four minutes in my eyes glassed over and i thought well this is this is great that Chris has figured this out. And I just, you know, squirrel, um, I, I, I just couldn't hang in there. Um, and then I discovered that you had created a tool that does all this heavy lifting for you. And, um, you know, on your website, Klytics, um, you know, rocket science, if you know the market save yourself months of research and focus on your writing and i'll tell you what that grabbed my attention because oh, i'm wow. a writer um and uh, the the business side to me is is a struggle and you know you've created a tool that simplifies a lot of that struggle so welcome to the show first off well thank you very much for the invite thank you for having me and hello to all those creative people out there hello authors yeah so so alex what first off um what got you what got you into um researching the kindle market and figuring out that that there was data to be harvested that could give us a glimpse into the the business side of writing that that a lot of people are just ignorant to well my own story in publishing started probably almost 35 years ago when I did my first internship with a, like a publishing company. I then went into a classic business corporate career. I was a uh, business consultant in one of the big five uh, big consulting companies of the world. Um, did my corporate career, consulted Fortune 500 companies, CEOs of the world, where they all shared one thing. They have a very short attention span. They want to rely on facts when they 
do their decisions. So my mission was always to basically shed light into problems, whether it is what book or genre shall I write, or uh, where shall I open a new factory? It's, it's basically, if you think of it, it's the same type of business decision because a lot of time, money, and effort goes into whatever that decision then entails downstream. Sure. So for uh, Kalytic started about eight years ago when I, and the K stands for kin, the, the K in the Kindle, obviously. Right. And, um, and uh, my lawyer said, don't get into a trademark dispute right on day one with, uh, with Amazon. So <laughs> there goes the Indle from the Kindle. <laughs> and um, basically at that point in time in my life, I, I had a, a two, three-year-old daughter at the time. And I figured, hey, traveling seven days a week and you know living out of the suitcase not the right thing so i looked into right. all sorts of in, at that time passive income that was the big buzzword of the time i looked into many industries and i ended up with kindle publishing almost as a coincidence i signed up to one of those you know 19 dollars get rich with kindle type of courses literally i remember that and <laughs> there were a lot of those during the gold digging days and uh, i think there never was gold there to the extent that these courses promised but uh, that being said i was always a numbers person and started looking to hey there are sales ranks and what does that actually mean? There is, hey, if I look into browser categories, Amazon shows me how many books there already are there. And uh, things came to things we started looking into. And at that point, I was still alone. I started experimenting with looking into uh, what sells more, romance or mystery thriller suspense, you know, very high level. And then people in a Facebook group say, hey, can you do that for subcategories or subgenres if you want? And then um, the rest is history. So today we do on any almost any big genre or opportunity can also be small niche genres. We do 70 page reports with basically all, as you put it, heavy lifting. And by the way, Chris Fox is a very dear friend of mine. We uh, we go back together quite a while and we've spent, uh, uh, we know each other personally very well. And uh, he also inspired me very much to equip his you know his tribe the right to market tribe with um basically saving time so as you said you should be focusing on the creative part the writing right. and i know there's all already enough headache with the rest of the business so uh where can you make your life easier that was the question what, what were um some of the things that surprised you when when you started digging in and and realizing that there were trends that you could track and there were um, certain uh, tropes or certain items in a particular genre or subgenre that just kept coming up. When, what, were, what were some of the things that just surprised you about the data that you were collecting? Well, at the, at the very beginning, and that's like back 2014, yeah. say, um, at that point in time, I didn't have much data to look at trends. Now, seven, eight years later, we have, and I can share some of these longer-term changes with you perhaps later in the podcast, which are very interesting. I recently uh, presented some of those at a conference in London. Now, um, at that point in time, I started with this you know, big idea of being a nonfiction publisher. And like right on day one, I... I think it hasn't changed in eight years except for one month. Romance is the number one high-selling genre on Kindle, followed by mystery, thriller suspense, 
followed by sci-fi and fantasy already by a margin. Although the fantasy side has um, helped to, to bring that up. And that's usually, you know, head on head with teen, young, adult. Seasonally, you may have a little bit of children's books, although the ebook children's book market has um, also took a dive. And only then do you get into all these sorts of nonfiction things. And once you go into all these promises that these courses made at the time, you know, like, hey, just upload your grandmother's paleo breakfast recipe book, or you're right, health coaches, paleo, you know that or whatever and to all those people out there who still in 2022 believe hey i can beef up my pension by uh, jotting down my life's memories and uh, memoirs or putting all my gardening and horticulture knowledge into an ebook that will not help you to beef up your pension and that was one of the first big things you know fiction is the market to be in if you choose Kindle to be your primary platform of revenue. Now, that's very important because obviously a book can be a business card and a proof of authority. And there, if, even if you don't make many sales and you claim to be, hey, I'm the number one bestseller in maritime law reference books, perfect. But right. you earn your money as a lawyer and not by selling Kindle books. I remember um, I first started uh getting into publishing around 2014 around 2013 um i had been working on a book i had, had always told my wife I'm, uh, that i had threatened to write a book for for years and uh I, and i discovered around 2013 this emerging kindle market uh, you know the kindle device had been out for a couple of years and uh to their credit amazon developed this tool KDP to uh, allow people to publish for this new um, ebook platform. And before that, I, I remember on the internet, you know, in the mid 2000s or so, there would be health coaches or uh, other people that had non fiction books and they would sell ebooks. And it was really just a PDF file. And, and you could PDF, you could yeah. purchase that from a website for 30 or 40 bucks and and you had to read it on your computer screen because there was there was no portable device that would allow you to read books. And then Amazon, I, I, I don't know what lightning they caught in a in a bottle that that or who came up with the Kindle, but it was it was genius. And and then they developed this platform to allow I, I, I guess they probably did it to have content on the Kindle to sell, you know, I mean, I, I don't know totally. how altruistic we can be about, you know, their intentions, but you know, it, it worked out pretty well for everybody. Um, but there, there was a gold rush uh, in, you know, 20, I don't know, 2011 to about 2013, 2014, where, you know, people were just throwing up, anything and you know becoming kindle millionaires overnight and you know we, we all heard those stories but um but that has evened out over the years and has become a competitive market in a serious market um how do you think the kindle and its uh prominence in the marketplace and in the industry has changed publishing because um a, a lot like the music industry when when digital music really matured the record companies were were all behind and scrambled to to figure out how to 
get their music to uh, this new delivery mechanism. Well, the same thing has happened with publishing. You know, there's there uh, the Kindle has completely changed. Uh, you, you might say revolutionized, or you could you could at least say changed the way books are delivered, the way books are bought, uh, and the way books are marketed. Uh, how do you feel that this this device and the subsequent market around this device has changed the landscape of publishing? Well, obviously, it revolutionized it because it took tore down the barriers of entry, which. Right. Uh, right to that point were very much uh, guarded by agents and you know the the editors in uh in the in decision makers in traditional publishing now to put things into perspective even to the present day by the by the way uh, it's it's not that this revolution has gone to me it's still very much in progress let me if, right. uh, let me show you some numbers here okay. which you, uh, we might find interesting and to those listening on the podcast i'll just put it in in words um by the time that what you called gold rush had sort of ended, I, I think it only just begun because back in 2014, when um, Amazon up to that point, and this is why you had up to that point also so many scammers uh, in, in there, uh, you were obviously paid by the full price for a, for a book that you sold. And uh, if, if you enlisted your book with Kindle Unlimited, no matter whether it was Kindle Unlimited or whether it's just a straight sale, um, at that point in time, you got the full remuneration for the book. So even if you only posted a 30-page how to do whatever type of self-help book and somebody bought it, you, you got whatever you charged, the $2.99, $4.99, whatever it was. That obviously changed with the Kindle Unlimited scheme and the pay to pay by page. But if you just look at, irrespective of the mechanism of how you are paid, if you look at the total sum of money, um, back after the first full year of that fund was uh, 2015, when Amazon paid out $132 million to authors worldwide who enlisted with Kindle Unlimited. So in other words, where you decided to go exclusive with your ebook, with Amazon, at least for that 90-day period, and uh, that you sign up for. And uh, in return, they promoted your book more than probably others. But in that number, 132 million already sounds big, but that number has grown double digit year on year. Um, and this year, if we just take the numbers that are already in for the first, um, first five months of the year, now it would be six, but based on the main numbers, Projected for this year, we will see another 17% growth year on year. And that fund of royalties being paid out to Kindle Unlimited authors, that will grow to more than half a billion dollars. Half a billion. Now, that is quite a big chunk of the market. So you look back on that 17% growth this year during the pandemic, it was 25 and 12 uh, and 19% growth year on year show me one industry that has that is already that big and has, still has those growth rates and the big news in this and this is why i really think it is a revolution uh, for a recent conference we looked at at 630,000 ranked book observations from 2020 to mid-year 2022 and we looked at the 
um, Kindle bestseller list, basically the top 100 in each of these main bestseller lists. So it even takes into account that not everybody writes romance, right? So if we just take the yeah. share of indies in those 30 main bestseller lists looked at over time um, for two and a half years, indies are number one in say market share or bestseller list share representing now 39% of those top 100 rankings. So in other words, if you take a typical bestseller list, 39 out of 100 authors or 100 books presented will be authored by indies. Only then the next 32 books would be by Big Five, then the next 15 by Amazon Imprints, which is their own publishing companies, and the rest would be other traditional publishers. So here you have the revolution, and it's not one that happened back then. It's, to my mind, one that started there and is now still in its in its full blossoming, if you want. Right. And, and uh, I've interviewed a number of authors uh, who publish with uh, with Amazon's imprints, uh, 37 North, um, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on their other, uh, Tom, uh, Thomas and Mercer, Thomas and Mercer for, thank you for their, their Mont Lake for romance. Yes. Um, and a lot of those authors, uh, are indies that, that, uh, Amazon recognized as big sellers and then brought them over to their imprint that now they've got a, a few big names that they've brought in, but, the majority of those people are indies that that just transitioned over. So you could, you know, of that 15% that are Amazon imprints, a lot of that line is kind of blurry for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, the um, it, it is a blurry line. And you're right, sometimes they recruit um, uh, big promising, uh, promising indies. I mean, Amazon imprints will will obviously by by definition do do well. Although I think there is one cannot say that per se their rankings are uh, favored in in any way by the Amazon algorithm. But they've been doing well. Although if we look at the development over time, it's also interesting to see the Amazon imprints in terms of share between 2016 and up to 2020. They've been doing very well. And uh, but then with the pandemic, indies basically took back some of the market share they they actually lost to the Amazon imprints. So perhaps I don't know uh, they did a lot of home office work as well, <laughs> or not doing work. Right now, indies were really the big big winner of the uh, of the last two and a half years. Wow, incredible. Um, when uh, it, this, they aren't just putting books up and people are flocking to them. I mean, that's happening some, but um, what we're seeing is that more and more indies are uh, more savvy business people, and they're they're figuring out that there are um, there are smarter ways to to write and to. Um, market books what, what are some of the things what, why do you think indies are more nimble and able to uh to keep their business strategies changing in light of of the changing algorithm changing reader taste um wh why do you think that the indies are able to to pivot faster yes, and they don't have to 
go through meetings and you know endless debates and editorial reviews and <laughs> you name it I, I i worked in the big corporate environment and by the way it was also interesting to see um at one of the last conferences we had amazon people there and also in them you know i mean they're obviously no longer a startup it's a big right. I, I would never say bureaucratic big uh, ge type of company although ge may not say that they are bureaucratic but you get the idea it's <laughs> right it has become a big corporate with all its processes templates to fill business cases you have to file before investments are being made and even with the uh within the decision making where what mailing can go out to a client you know if i mean corporate communication has to look at it i mean if you're an indie you just you know you craft your message to your fans you click send on your uh, in your mail mailing application and that's it um but apart from these say the business mechanics i i see the right to market thing working so well for indies for for those who are successful at it that they marry basically four things number one is a love and passion for a certain genre right so the ones who are really successful they don't write say domestic thrillers because um somebody told them it's an exciting market right now Comma, right. which it is but they write them because they love writing thrillers and they're fascinated by whatever psychological thrillers and all the more if it's in the confines of the you know trustworthy neighborhood which turns out not to be so trustworthy right. so a domestic <laughs> or the nanny which turns out not to be so so trustworthy a nanny they, these people they just love what they do or if they write dark romance they okay have a whatever love and passion for dark romance of some shape or form or they have the passion to satisfy the say the, the sex sexual fantasies of those who are into dark romance so so they follow a, a passion uh, pun in no pun intended but in this case it <laughs> wouldn't even be a passion the second thing they do the real good indies they bring the craft skills that are required to serve exactly that type of niche or subgenre or even trope if you want to name it this way down on a more granular level why am i saying this yeah because i think writing a steamy urban fantasy um urban urban fantasy romance scene in first person is probably much different than writing a um a fast-paced action theme scene like in the orphans or a jack reacher type of book right. so it's a different craft skills and and the successful indie brings exactly that craft skill that is required for that type of niche market uh to the table the third thing and that's also very often for forgotten one thing is craft but the third thing I'd mention is the specific subject matter expertise. Now, some people think, oh, but that's only relevant for nonfiction. If you write accounting books, you need to be an accountant. Yeah, sure. but what, what I mean in fiction is, of course, you don't wanna write a legal thriller and compete with Mr. Grisham if you don't know the legal system. Right. <laughs> or um my favorite example is one of our clients she's she's been doing very well and has been one of the inventors of navy seal romance 
for many many years well she had a family member who was a navy seal now uh, i i reckon that that family member did not divulge classified information <laughs> but if you have a member who's a navy seal or even you served in the army yourself you will be much more credible to write now these are the three things love passion one the craft skill and the knowledge the really successful authors then overlay this with where we come into the game what is the best and most viable market where you can apply those three things and bring them to intersect with what you bring to the table and that's where we talk about market size market growth level of competition pricing trends in the genre what are the cover cliches if you do write shift a romance what are the highest selling tropes is it uh, you know here's for example one example of an analysis we 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 run every, every year like trope analysis across 10,000 paranormal romance titles and um, which characters are associated with the highest royalties so in this case it's a bit of a no-brainer at the top well is it a no-brainer i don't know but you know Oh, the shapeshifter continues to be the number one highest selling character then followed by mate and you know shapeshifter find your mate the werewolf then the alpha then the vampire then you have the students only then you have the aliens and all the way down you have the gods the half gods the angels or the elves um and then these things also change over time so we look at uh okay we had a big increase this year over last year in the elves and uh, elf king type of fantasy romance entering in so you get the idea that uh once you are uh, what, what chris in his right to market always said you know yeah well let's find out that it is the sh shapeshifters but it does take you some time to get to that data and the other big trap that you mustn't fall into i share one more picture is i i see many of authors who bring the first three things they then do try to do their homework and they browse the Amazon bestseller lists um, or uh, browse categories, popularity lists, which are a different thing, by the way, app associated with that. Because any point in time you look at a book or what's trending on Amazon, you're presented with moment momentary ranks or momentary results, obviously, of the Amazon algorithm. Now, right. the algorithm does does look at some of the historic sales of course but if you just look at a bestseller rank right it is a momentary observation and um you know if i look at something now here uh, for those who can see this as an exhibit it's the it's the bestseller rank of an arbitrary book at one point in time it shoots up all the way up in the ranks on one day from say sales rank nowhere a million a million or so one copy sold shoots that thing up to sales rank four hundred thousand. and you can imagine if you're higher up the ranks that is a bit even dra more drastic effect if you then sell a couple of more books but the point is um over over the next 11 days that book goes back into oblivion where it came from if if no additional sales happen and what some authors right uh, fall for is it, it was sunday afternoon they had time to to browse the bestseller list a bit and say oh my god you know this is trending but it, it's not 
And in, in fact, you can be totally led astray. So what my mission was is basically to obs observe the ranks of thousands and thousands of books over time so that you don't have to. But more importantly, that you then can put a basically a meaningful average through the peaks and troughs of those sales ranks over time to then compute an average sales rank and come to a more meaningful market evaluation of really worth your time and effort versus what is just a one-hit wonder and you shouldn't because one of the arguments when you start talking about um market analysis and and finding trends um is is that people will say well if you're writing to a trend that is popular right now by the time you finish your book and publish it then the trend will have moved on to something else and you're just you're in essence chasing the past um, but what you've done is is track these over time to find which ones are actually growing which ones are just anomalies and which ones are receding um what if someone signs up for Klytics, what kind of information can they can they get subgenres subtop genres and uh in within those partly even down to um to the trope level um to give you some illustrations and before we go into the specific data of calytics you know you can already get pretty far by the way with google trends as as a tool which is totally free and let me just show you one picture there which for me, totally crushes that argument that um, I'm too slow at writing and I, I'm too slow for the trend. 15-year um, evolution of, of the search interest for vampire romance versus paranormal romance versus fantasy romance versus star. I mean, after Twilight, vampire romance was basically a thing from 2008 all the way into the mid to you know 2012 2015 it triggered a more general paranormality and then very recently you have this evolution over the last two years of fantasy romance of dark romance within those the tropes of billionaire romance um mafia romance you name it now all these things you see they they sometimes they even evolve like, like overnight, like with the Fifty Shades of Grey um, blockbuster is for a billionaire romance, which lasts to the present day. And we've just published our billionaire romance research, which basically shows, I personally thought, hey, that must be dead. If you shake any money with that, well, the fact is, while the the, um, the greats of money is built whole billionaire romance series around it, and they earn money with it year in year out, catering for an audience who's just totally into these types types of books. So you can get already pretty far with you know the the tools in the public. The starting point. Where we started out is basically two things. The one is looking about 
about making choices, all these 8,000 search Amazon sales rank, which is a measure of, okay, how, how much does do these types of books sell? And they come with a certain number of books as one measure of competition. You'd be surprisingly trending. Very high average sales rank across the top 20 title, averaged out over time. Domestic thrillers, um, which we just researched, had uh, sales ranks on average, you know, well in the top 1,000, currently even more to the, I think, 500 mark, which is very high up in the store out of, say, 8 million books. But there are still only less than uh, currently around 1,000 titles in the category. Take something like the Jack Reachers of the world, Vigilante Justice. Also, well, there the sales rank is a little lower, fair enough, but it's still around, you know, a, a specific audience and the book's typically very high up there. But also here, the book supply is, given we have more than 8 million book titles on Kindle, there are still only around two to 3,000 titles in the very category. Or you decide as a writer, I go for something which is way more popular, which, for example, given the, the demographics of the typical Kindle owner is cozy mystery. So say the the uh, older woman who reads cozy mystery, although there's a younger audience in which cozy mystery and paranormal cozy mystery. But having said this, this has grown into a big but fruitful mainstream market. So it is about making these choices of do I want to serve a niche market? Do I want to go mainstream? But if you do so, being very conscious about what is the market potential in relation to the level of competition. And that is basically data for all the 8,000 categories that uh, that they are that we track every month. And the other thing is then to start looking at things over time, you know, to really understand in this example here over the last seven years. So how did clean and wholesome romance perform versus erotica and you'd be amazed if you can see this picture here you can't see it in the podcast but you know clean wholesome romance came out of nowhere well it always existed as a trope but not on amazon kindle as uh, as a category so that was introduced back 2015 it had a stellar growth while erotica was basically um heavily restricted by the ad advertising now with a pay-to-play type of mode on on amazon where you have to pay and advertise to rise up in the ranks unless you have a newsletter list of 20,000 people or more. You have to drive traffic to your page. Now, erotica titles were heavily restricted both on Facebook or on BookBab or um, on Amazon advertising due to the adult content. But here comes TikTok and all of a sudden you have the erotica category shooting back up. And so there is something around understanding how things evolve over time to understand that um, when people wanted escapist reads during the pandemic, that epic fantasy also fueled by all those investments that an Amazon made into Wheels of Time or Netflix into The Witcher, you name it, uh, although that's probably more, more urban. But um, all these investments by the big streaming companies combined with something which is there as a trend overall. You know, that got up, but The Walking Dead were dead. Dystopian took 
took a dive. So the second thing we provide is to have this trend view that you know what is happening and that you look at these things before you commit your time and money. And then once the book is written, it's for many people, it gets very tactical about the market. So we now could look into many examples, pricing data, uh, what, what people usually can relate with a lot is, well, what are the selling covers in my jar? And, and here, while I think there are many who who've realized that there are something like cover cliches that sell by genre, we basically take it to the next level because we then really look at the market share in specific genres of specific cover types. So if you are into say romantic comedy, we take it then a level further and say, okay, out of the romantic comedy market, 41% of the market is a flat, flat vector graphic, which might remind you of Cozy Mystery on first sight, but it is uh, comedy. 31% is, is the sexy guy. And only then you have the girl, the romantic couple, the sexy couple, or Mr. Handsome in a suit on your cover. And once you know that, I think you should immediately get to know, ah, there is... So I do the writing, I can already orient my writing, catering for trends and for specific market potential before I even pick up the pen. And even while you're writing something, you can look at, well, what are the high selling characters or locations? I can still adapt as I write. And once you wrote the book, you know that tedious marketing part comes and there we just wanna make your life easier. Uh, by providing you with the facts that take a lot of discussions out of the game. So why have a discussion about a cover design with a friends or relative who can't help you anyway about which they like most or with a cover designer who's just a cover designer. But if you put in your brief, this is what I want to have because that represents the, the highest market share, then that can make a life, life a lot easier so that you can focus more on your writing. And perhaps my last word on that one would be when I sometimes ask people, well, what did you do with the data or what did you find valuable? And of course, there's many mechanical things, but I was astonished by, by two types of feedback. One is, Alex, thank God you told me because I was just to embark on a three-year journey for this big series I planned yes. where I now realize there is zero potential whatsoever uh, well, not zero, but it, it's it's just the odds of success are so minute compared to these other projects I could do. So that's one feedback, telling people what not to write. And the other thing is other feedback, which astonished me was where people said, hey, what your data showed was sort of I had a hunch or you know, people were also talking about it in Facebook group, but now I have the facts. and." I write so much faster, I market so much better because I do it with such so much more confidence because I know what I'm doing is right on track with what, what the market wants. Um, Alex, uh, I emailed you um, over a month ago when we started talking and uh, you asked what uh, what genre I was currently writing in and, and my wife and I are writing a cozy mystery series. And you said, well, let me send you a, a report to, to kind of get an idea of what we do. And, and so you sent me the cozy mystery report and uh, with the accompanying video kind of explanation where you walk through all the data. And my mind was blown. Uh, and, and I suddenly realized 
um, that there are so many, while I already had a, a story idea in mind and something I was working on, you showed me exactly what things I needed to, to focus more heavily on in the story. Um, and to, I, I even adjusted a couple of the storylines to make sure that I was hitting, um, the, the things that readers really resonate with. And, um, I, I think one, when you start talking about, um, market trends and, and, uh, studying those things, a lot of new writers, um, immediately kind of, you know, throw their hands up. No, I'm an artist. I write what's in my, in my heart and it, it comes out. And, you know, if, a, if I tell a story, um, with enough truth, uh, it will find an audience. Maybe, maybe, maybe it will. Um, but if, if you can understand your audience ahead of time and, and not, we're not saying to change your story just to pander to an audience. Um, I, I guess that's, that's my question. What's the difference in, in understanding your market, writing to that market and just pandering for, uh, you know, hitting a, a checklist so that you can cash in. So, <clears throat> understanding the market is, is, is just, if you, stay at the theory level so you, you've looked at the market data but you don't take action on it right so right. the next level would be you you take the market data and you make them some directional decision making with it now i i think what i said before is the important thing is that right to market or taking then that data and by the way i i, I really appreciate your feedback on the report I sent you because it shows me it is not just a commercial thing. It is a creative thing as well. Right. right? You, you let your creative side be informed, inspired, perhaps even changed, adapted by what you see happening in the market. And this for me has nothing to do with some, with that, that some people confuse right to market with. It's not about being a contortionist. And having to bend yourself you know oh i am an artist i you know i of course if you're an artist who says i don't have to pay any bill or my husband is is paying for the bills or my wife for that matter uh, and you know if you're a lucky husband and um so if you can be like completely free floating in your artistic world then yeah why didn't you write a book about for the amazon category um reference books literary fiction criticisms and you know and make the work of art um if in this non-fiction area or you write a biography about whatever um uh, that may be a big project in a super artistic world but there's just no market for it so but if you say well i'm a thriller writer and you go about it in a professional way, you would, of course, look, okay, there are many types of thrillers, but how do political thrillers fare versus financial thrillers versus vigilante justice thrillers versus whatever, classic spy novels, you name it, there is an answer to that. And once you know that, I think it is really not about having just a checklist. It is a, 
a checklist with intention and a bit of inspiration. So I, I'm saying, you know, it, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't never be a mechanical thing because I know your art is, you know, I, I'm an artist too. I play the guitar and, and, uh, wrote what he had in mind as an artist. He had to pay his bills and we know towards the end of his life, it wasn't, he wasn't very successful at it anymore because he was probably too much in sex, drugs and rock and roll. <laughs> but there was a point in time where basically, oh, okay, the, the Lord pays. So uh, th this is what I compose. Leonardo da Vinci, also him, you know, there was a lot of commissioned work. So they had to look into the tastes of the audience. And what I like about these examples, like Leonardo da Vinci or Bach as a composer, there, there was a lot of maths going into the work of art. So I just personally believe where you, almost like the old Greek, um, they had the gymnasium for the bodily things and they had the museum, you know, for the muses. So more, you know, whatever it was, history or poetry. They had to study both things, you know, the mechanical world, as well as, you know, uh, the arts and people and pupils at that time, students at that time were very versatile because they had this holistic approach to the arts and the world and the worlds and the arts. And I think commerce, commerce is part of the world as are the arts. And once you combine these perspectives, I think great things can happen. So, you know, a little bit of numbers combined with the writings can can make much of the difference. There's no guarantee for success, but you can increase the odds of success. Let's put it this way. Well, I have a daughter who is uh, a professional uh, artist and she um, uh, she she paints, uh, she does digital artwork. Um, she has a, a number of mediums that she works in, but if you walk into her art studio, she has uh, a, a rack of paints and they are ones that she has chosen because she knows that, that these particular supplies work best for what she's doing and for what her customers uh, are, are going to want. And, and there she doesn't just wander around the house looking for liquids that she can throw on a canvas. She has very specific tools that she uses and she's identified those over, you know, the years that she's worked in the, in her industry. And, um, but when we talk about writing, we want to just say that, that we're just, we're, we just show up and the, and the, uh, and the muse speaks and, you know, we're just, mediums that just you know let it flow and no other artist works that way it's you know it's it's funny yeah and and it's then even down to these questions you're know, talking of artists i i had here this picture of Laurence olivier in hamlet 1948 you know with with a famous scene with a skull to be or not to be right. now today as an author you may say kindle unlimited or not kindle unlimited you know that is the question shall i go wide or shall i go into ku and you know there's even answers to those that you know yeah let's look at the numbers for your jar you know overall the fact of the matter is that the market share in the rankings of kindle unlimited title has grown from 44 percent in 2016 to 50 in the year 2022 and by the way it shrunk again a bit uh, between 2019 and uh, 2022. So there seems to be a market at equilibrium. So you have to go down to the next level and say, well, 
what is the case in my genre? And, you know, if you write whatever dark fantasy romance, the answer may be Kindle Unlimited. If you're into biographies and memoirs, it could clearly be a, a wide story. Get, get the idea. Now, I know on that very topic, there are 15 other things to consider, but there is market information to... Um, to inform your decisions to not just have the completely you know to be or not to be type of pondering uh for your arts um alex as we sit here in uh you know just past the midpoint of 2022 uh the the kindle publishing industry especially has matured and it is a uh, it, it, lots of people have created careers on writing uh, and 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 publishing uh, on KDP and and for the Kindle specifically. Um, how do you see the future? Um, you know, we we've got um, you know eight ten years of historical data now that that definitely inform where we are right now. But how do you see the future? And for people looking to get in, you know, and it, we think, wow, you know, you're late to the game if you're just getting into publishing now, um, but not really. Uh, but where do you see the potential for new people coming in and how do you see the health uh, of this industry in general? I would always try to look at at the facts of the market data. So when we do a typical genre research so you mentioned cozy mystery let's and, and let's take cozy mystery as an example you, you may remember from that very report that we publish and update every year we have a list of high ranking authors in there and now that we've done the research for four years and more we we mark which of these authors who now in the year 2022 are in the top 40 have been there in the previous year, in the years before, in the years before. And you clearly have two types of uh, types of authors. You have those there who've been in the Cozy Mystery lead list four years in a row, the big hitting names. But genre by genre, as I go through, I think you always have between um, 30 to sometimes 60% of new authors, new kids on the block or authors on the block that have made it in there. Now, why did they make it in there? As I see in many of them, well, there may be one hit wonders, there may be the bit of luck. But if you look at some, look at this list of newbie authors, or sometimes they are very mature authors, you know, knowledgeable authors, experienced authors, but they really then doubled down on a certain genre or niche market and said, okay, what do I have to do? When you, so, there is always opportunities. We always see, say, at least half of the authors who are in the top ranks this year have not been there in the years before. But if you look at what they did, you can, for the vast majority of these, you can clearly see by the covers, by their titles, by their book descriptions, they've done their homework. They have done the research. They, they have looked at how they can apply their craft to the market and marketing required in that specific genre. So my outlook, number one, would very clearly be for individual authors. It's never too late, as there it will never be too late in any arts, in any point in time in the history and future of this planet, right? 
we are creative beings. There will always be creativity and it will always find a channel. And I think if I look at the last couple of thousand years, I, um, and specifically ever since the printed books we have since, uh, you know, when was it good old Gutenberg, uh, 1400 something, uh, 1500 something, actually, we will have books for a considerable time to come. It's not too late. Specifically, Amazon Kindle publishing. I am a strong believer coming from the corporate world that although I know many people don't like it, the bigger, the biggest tend to become bigger and, um, so Amazon and Amazon Kindle is a power that may not go away. Will the books always be read on a Kindle device? Certainly no. I think they have many reads right now also on the Kindle app and there will always be new channels. But um, I, I think you can rest assured that if there are new channels, it's either a, a complete new revolution or you can be sure that then the established players like an Amazon, like other big, uh, big names, will make sure that they invest in the channel or the new format, whatever it, it will be. If it will be 3D intera interactive holograph type of books in 20 years from now, um, you know, if you're in the game now, you may be then as well. Well, and, and I know, Alex, uh, if there is a new trend coming and a new um, uh, a, a new piece of technology that's going to revolutionize the industry once again uh your ears to the ground and you will let us know when those things come up knock on wood i'll i'll try my best <laughs> alex if if people are are just learning about this concept of of right to market and uh, about market research and um, uh, about Kalytic specifically, uh, where can they find out more? Um, you know, this is going to take a lot of people uh, by surprise and and hopefully in a good way. Where, where can they find you and, and, you know, sign up for all the great stuff that you do? Well, first of all, you can always get the feet wet with um, the things we offer for free. Our website is kalytics.com, which is k hyphen analytics like in analytics.com and then at slash free hyphen report you can download a free report we do a uh, you know bi-monthly trend reporting which you can sign up for free by the way it's not listed here on this page but if you type in k analytics.com slash christmas it although it's summer now it's always you know good to prepare in summer for winter if you're a writer right <laughs> absolutely uh, there there we have, uh, by the way, a, a report on Christmas romance. And I think just as even if you're not in the genre, it gives you a full example of how these genre reports look like. Um, if you want to have access to the full database and all the reports we do, there is k-analytics.com slash booster, which is just a, a special deal we have here for this interview. And, and um, you know, go check out the site, the blog, and google us you will find us in various facebook groups and uh but the main point is the site and if you just want to have uh, not a membership but a report a la carte there is also kalytics.com slash shop where you can uh, get a john report a la carte alex uh thank you so much for joining us today in the storycraft cafe you've You've opened my mind, and I know that, uh, that a lot of our members are, are going to be really excited about this information. Thank you so much for having me. Bye, everybody. 
That's our episode for today. There's so much more to come as we talk with authors about the craft of writing, but also the business of publishing. Be sure to subscribe to the StoryCraft Cafe podcast in your favorite podcast app to never miss an episode. The StoryCraft Cafe is made possible by Dabble. Writing a book is challenging. Your writing tool shouldn't be. Dabble is an easy-to-use online writing tool packed with helpful features that allow beginning novelists and published authors to create amazing stories. Visit us at DabbleWriter.com and start your free trial. Thanks for listening.